You're listening to the Sphere Now ESG podcast on Spark, Sphere's safety, sustainability, and productivity thought leadership website. Sphere is the leading provider of ESG performance and risk management software, data, and consulting services. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Spira Now ESG podcast, a program focused on safety, sustainability, and productivity topics. I'm Charlene Key, Director of ESG Product Management at Spira. Today, we're joined by Spira's Chief Product Officer, Mike Zamus, who is responsible for the strategy and development of Spira's next generation ESG solutions. From carbon accounting to health and safety and risk management. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Mike. Thanks, Charlene. Great to be here. Today, we will be discussing greenwashing. Greenwashing happens when businesses portray their products or services as being more environmentally friendly than they actually are, often for the sake of marketing and sales. Mike, you recently spoke on a panel at Greenfin that discussed greenwashing. Given the increased focus on ESG and sustainability reporting, can you explain some of the factors that lead to greenwashing? Yeah, thanks again, Charlene. Great to be here. Happy to answer these questions. Looking forward to yet another Sphere podcast. So when we think of greenwashing and what goes on out in the marketplace, I kind of put it in two different buckets. The first bucket, charitably speaking, we see a lot of teams at companies, they're overworked, understaffed, under-equipped, and they're doing the absolute best they can to try to answer the questions around their company's ESG and sustainability posture. Now, the challenge here is they're, you know, they're stretching, they've got a hodgepodge of disparate data, they're not sure how to bring it all together, and inevitably, in the exchanging of Excel spreadsheets and posting on SharePoint, it gets to a point that something leaks out and it's probably not what they wanted to say exactly. So, in the first group, we kind of think about teams that are overworked. So, that's the kind of charitable view. In the other situation, there are no real rules around ESG. There's lots of disclosure frameworks. There's lots of metrics that we can uh, follow up on. Um, And some companies from a competitive point of view feel that they need to really stretch their ESG credentials and or their sustainability credentials. And so I think sometimes a step gets taken and another step and you find companies going too far and really stepping outside of what they actually do. And that's where you really get into the greenwashing when it it goes beyond what the companies do, what they say they do, and where you stretch sort of a competitive marketplace and marketing approach into something much bigger. So that's how we see it. It's really two different situations, overstretched, understaffed groups doing the best they can with a hodgepodge of data and disclosure rules. And then other groups that from a marketing or competitive environment concern, actually step over the line. That's really interesting, Mike. Are there some factors that are easier to control from a business perspective than others? Well, obviously the companies can always control their data. Now, whether they can get good data, that's another question. And that's, I think, one of the fundamental challenges we're seeing in the marketplace is companies being able to operationalize this ESG data how do we not make it a once a year data collection exercise and actually embed it in our business operations that we execute every single day? Think of financial reporting. We don't look at year end what the company financials are. Every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year, we have financial professionals 
working against defined frameworks. These are accredited professionals who are then audited you know, by third parties to make sure this is all correct. And I think that is the, the same kind of environment we need in place in ESG and sustainability to prevent greenwashing. We need to find regulations where everyone's measured the same way against the same frameworks, where we have professionals who know how to report against ESG metrics, and then we need that audited. And I think those three steps would go a long way to preventing greenwashing. Fascinating. So you mentioned disclosure frameworks earlier. The regulatory environment is changing quickly for ESG investing. What role do regulators play in combating greenwashing in the financial sector? Yeah, good question. I really think when you think of regulations, it's the level playing field. Today, there are multiple disclosure frameworks. There's pretty deep flexibility in some of those frameworks. There's competing frameworks. There's a real chance for companies to kind of pick and choose what ESG means to them. As regulators get more serious and more focused on what makes good ESG, environmental, social, and governance, and what those additional metrics are that every company should report on, that will start to coalesce these reporting results, the focus, how they're measured, comparability across industries and across companies and industries, where then, like financial reporting, it will be much easier to digest the information and make intelligent decisions based on that information. So really, it's the opportunity for regulators to transform the ESG markets through consistent, clear, and effective rules and regulations. And since regulators play such a big role, do you feel they're doing enough in the current environment, or should they be acting more quickly? Well, I think we're starting to see that bubble up. I mean, clearly the European Union has been way ahead of the rest of the world in terms of defining these things, whether it's their SFDR or CSRD initiatives. And we're starting to see that filter into other regions. The UK is uh, supporting TCFD along with Japan and New Zealand. And now you're seeing it trickle into the United States with the proposed SEC rule. So we wish it was quicker. We wish it was faster. We wish perhaps it might be deeper to create some consistency in the environments and in, in the markets. But we are seeing regulations come into play. We are seeing different regulatory regimes and frameworks bubble up and drive changes in the marketplace, which I think are essential to having good, reliable, consistent, measurable, and transparent ESG reporting. Well, it sounds like some exciting progress is being made. I know you did touch on this a little bit earlier, but what can companies do to combat greenwashing? What processes should they be focusing on? I think ESG has to really be part of what the company wants to achieve. It, it can't be a marketing element. This belongs with ESG professionals, like the VP of sustainability or corporate sustainability officer, needs to be built into their operations and not treated as a bolt-on or add-on, right? So it really needs to be embedded in what they do every single day. Also, as I mentioned a moment ago, we need consistent regulatory frameworks. So everyone's measuring against the same set of rules or a defined set of rules. You need companies to be consistent and transparent over time with professionals who are reporting against those results, gathering, collating, and defining those reports, much like we do in financial reporting. And then finally, I would say you need the audit function as well. You need a proven trusted third party like we have in financial reporting, come in and review the ESG metrics and give it a bill of health. 
So I think those are the key three things that need to be in place for people, investors, regulators, consumers to look at ESG reporting and treat it as a serious decision metric for them to make decisions about investments, decisions about what company they're going to support, things like that. With many financial companies having sales incentives that are not specifically ESG focused, how do you feel the updates and regulations are going to impact those organizations? Yeah, another good question, Charlene. There's a couple of rules that the SEC is starting to push forth, and they're called generally the names rule and the ESG impact rule. And really, it's, it's trying to get I think a little truth in advertising relative to the fund composition. So for example, on the names rule, if if you're an ESG fund, are you investing the vast majority of your funds, 80% in ESG related items, right? You're just not rebranding some other asset fund, value fund, growth fund, and throwing ESG as a label on it, that you're really investing with uh, that as a, as a goal and uh, an incentive. Also on the disclosure rules, those are ideas around, you know, whether you're driving an impact, whether it's it's a factor in your decision making around ESG investments and your investment strategy, whether you're really trying to drive an ESG focus where your whole fund is focused on ESG goals and initiatives, or whether it's a very narrow impact, meaning I'm trying to really change, I'll make it up, water usage in companies and so on, picking and choosing companies to help drive that that specific ESG impact goal. So when you look at rules like that, like the SEC is putting forth, you're seeing an effort to try to drive clarity and truth and information. So if you're selling funds, you'll be guided by these rules and you're going to have to be clear and honest and direct with those. Otherwise, your company stands the risk of a fine or a penalty. During these disclosure processes, how important is intercompany communication? So as you think about a financial firm launching a new financial product, they are going to need to label it correctly and talk about its composition correctly. And I think that's the source of some of the new SEC regulations you see coming out. There have been occurrences where old value or growth funds have been relabeled as ESG funds. And one might argue that they're really not ESG in nature or impact or focus. And so what I think you're going to have to see as these rules make their way into uh, regulations is that the marketing department and the product department at some of these companies are going to have to come together and be clear on what the aims and goals and strategy of the funds really are. So they are properly named and disclosed uh, so as not to mislead anyone about the nature of the investment. So I think that'll be another area of ESG and regulating the overall industry and industries to make sure that uh, there's truth in advertising and there's clarity amongst the stakeholders, investors, and shareholders that we get the right expected financial assets in the right hands. That's very interesting, Mike. Thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today on the Sphera Now ESG podcast. Thank you so much, Charlene. As always, it's great to be on the podcast. Look forward to the next one. Thank you for listening to the Sphera Now ESG podcast on Spark. We hope you enjoyed the show. Want more safety, sustainability, and productivity-related blogs and podcasts? Subscribe to Spark today. Visit sphera.com backslash spark and let's spark a conversation.